This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. All right, welcome to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast, Waterfowl Wednesday. Uh, we have a little surprise, doing things a little different this week because uh, Nick J is uh, in Oklahoma playing patty cakes with Joe Heinz, so I have a fill-in introduce yourself yeah i'm zach brooks with uh black leg outfitters here in des moines iowa you just hunted with uh joe didn't you a little bit ago yeah yeah so it was like the second to last day of our season here in uh central iowa and uh we were having a big snowstorm so i gave him a buzz and i was like hey bro get down here we had talked at game fair and uh yeah so i just told him to told him to get down here and he he drove overnight and the rest was history. Man, I wanted to get down there this year. It just did not schedule wise did not work out. I was yeah. just too busy midweek and my ice tournament ice fishing stuff I got going on were right in the, the thick of that. So it's like weekends oh. were packed. Yeah, I just sometimes <laughs> I think I do too much. <laughs> yeah. It happens. It happens. We can always get you out and this coming up here, so Yeah, we'll we'll figure something out. So that's it. Season's over, huh? For Iowa, unfortunately, man, unfortunately, it's oh. uh that, that goose depression right about now. So <laughs> it's already setting in. <laughs> How was the season? It, uh, it has it. It had its ups and downs. There, there's no doubt. Uh, we started out pretty slow. Uh, the migration, it, dude, it was rough. Uh, there would be there would be times where the migration was here. And there would be times where it wasn't. 
it just yeah it was just i think i think there's a lot of people that that were having the same issues but yeah it it, it was hit and miss so yeah, i remember talking to you earlier when like one of our first snowstorms here and mm-hmm. you said you hadn't really had much many geese and i was like i was surprised because i'm like near rochester and they're right they weren't here either you know i mean i we had some new birds but then it snowed a ton i figured that would have pushed some your way and didn't then we had i don't know it was a week or so later another snowstorm and cold snap and then you said the birds showed up so it's yeah kind of, i mean there's definitely no like there's no rule book right there's not it's not like a menu you can check off lists like oh it's the weather's this this and this all the birds will be here man they they just do their own fucking thing Boy, I wish there was a menu. I wish there was a order <laughs> off of all the time. But yeah, dude, they 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 come and go as they please. Like I said earlier, they uh, you know they they were there. Uh, we had like two or three days that hit up in like in the high forties to fifties. Uh, there was even one day I think there was even like a mid fifty day, and after that, dude, they went bye bye. I hmm. mean, they had to have went back up north. They had to have because. I mean, in certain locations, I mean, we had thousands. And then after that, after that, like, little bit of a warm-up, man, it, it was hard to find them at some point. So, yeah, they definitely had to scoot it out a little bit. So Yeah, I did, I did not have a great season up here. I, I had the worst year ever for getting permission on fields. It was just, really? I mean, it's just bad luck. Like, I'm not going to go out and – I'm not bitching about it, and I'm not like, there's too many hunters or anything like that. It just is what it is. Just the birds, sure. it's just the fields that had birds in them. When I went scouting, somebody had already beaten me to the punch, you know, it was, right. or it was just, no, we don't allow hunting, which you, you just run into that sometimes. It's not, um, yeah. it's, it's no big crime against me or anything. It's just like, sure. just had bad luck this year. I mean, scouting just was not, was not successful. Yeah. And I kind of had yeah. some standing, I mean, I have, like not standing permission, but a place I always get permission, but he also gives multiple people permission. So there was a few of those days where like, well, we could take a chance here. And it's like, we just didn't want to deal with, we didn't want to deal with it. So we, you know, would choose, right. choose something else, but well, shout a few, yeah. but it was, it was not a great year. We did have a really good year out in uh, North Dakota, the trip for snow geese though. That was, yeah, so that's what I was hearing. How many, how many did you guys shoot out there or how long were you guys out there? We hunted for four days, and I don't remember what our total number was. It was, I think, it was close to two hundred and fifty or something for the four days. That's had, not bad. I think our lowest number was like forty-seven, something like that. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was good for us. I mean, I say for us, but that was that's like one of the best shoots I've ever had. I mean, they were just and they were doing it so good. Like it's just. It's what you dream of. I mean, it's like, oh, my God, sure. it finally came together. <laughs> I've been sure. hunting these stupid white birds for 20 years. But my my buddy, Flotty, he just keeps he's telling me, he's like, dude, you have those. Those were not snow geese. You have to stop thinking that because come spring, you're just <laughs> going to get disappointed. Whatever right. we were hunting this past fall, they were not snow geese. Just get that out sure. of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think he's wrong. It kind of ruined me. Now I'm going to go down to South Dakota, and they're, you know, they're going to be typical spring snow geese, and right. I want to be super frustrated knowing just how well they decoyed last year. Oh, sure. God, it was so much fun. Do you ever do you do that? I mean, Iowa gets a a fair amount of snows in the spring. 
Yeah, so like the southwest corner, they get loaded up pretty good. Uh, right around like Riverton area, uh, there's been some years where they've calculated up to a million and something uh, snow geese, you know, right around the entire area. I'm not exactly sure like the square mileage of it, but yeah, there, there's definitely a ton. There's a couple, you know, decent flocks, you know. But my mind is out of it after our Canada goose season is done. I don't really chase after the snows too much. I mean, if I get like an invite, like say like this year, I've got a buddy that does like a, a hunt club down in Arkansas. And, um, you know, he's wanting me to come down. He's been kind of bugging me for the past three years. He's actually a client of mine, but he's, he's starting to turn into more of a, of a friend than anything. Um, but yeah, so he's bugging me. He's like, Hey man, you need to get down here. Like around this time, we just, we absolutely crushed them. And I was like, well, eh, what does it hurt? You know? Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, yeah, man, I, I don't chase them. I'm, uh, you know, when season is done for Canada's here in Iowa, uh, especially in my zone, I just, it, it's kind of time to get back with the family uh, you know, I got two kiddos and, and an old lady and it, it's time to kind of get back to them a little bit and kind of focus up on to the, uh, the, the outfitter work outside of the hunting. So like uh, going back and retaining permission on all the land, you know, paying dues to all the landowners, so on and so forth, just kind of prepping up for next season. So my mind kind of gets distracted and it's not really aimed towards like the snow goose season, but I think this year I might dip my toes into it a little bit. Though. Yeah. Do you do any like uh, trade show stuff for, I said you're at game for game fair. Would you actually ever set up a booth and book trips like that? So I was actually thinking about that, doing it this year, um, game fair of, of 2022. Uh, I was actually thinking about doing that. So I was going to do it for the Burlington, uh, you know, Mississippi Valley calling contest, but they actually canceled that this year. Unfortunately, it's kind uh-huh. of a fun little contest that they put on down in Burlington, Iowa. It's roughly about two and a half hours, give or take from here in Des Moines. Um, but I was actually going to go down there this year, but they canceled everything. I, you know, last year I went and just wasn't a great attendance. Um, nor was there a lot of vendors there. So I'm not sure if that had hmm. something to do with what, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely in the, in the thought process and whatnot. So I would think you'd be able to siphon off some business from up here for sure, because your season goes you know, fair amount later than ours. So when people, right. you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of diehards that love that late season stuff. And depending oh, on the weather for Minnesota or any particular year, that fun late season hunting in the snow stuff, you might not get any of it. So when it, the season closes, people are jonesing for it, and then it sets right. in. It's like, well, <clears throat> Iowa's not that far away. I mean, what's Des Moines from Twin Cities? A four-hour drive? Yeah, dude, it's like a four-hour and ten-minute drive. Yeah, it ain't straight down 35. It ain't nothing. No, dude, it's nothing. You put on a podcast or listen to some tunes and zone out, and there you are. Oh, look, here's, you know, Des Moines, you know, right. ten minutes outside. Yeah, I would say, but, you know, tune, you know, just listen to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast, but obviously everybody's all caught up, so they're going to have to find a different one. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, <laughs> obviously man, I they mean, listen to uh, that right away. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like the first thing they turn on, right? <laughs> but uh no, man, I you know, the thing of it is is I don't 
it, it, it's beneficial to me in, in a sense. Um, but Iowa doesn't get uh, the recognition that it deserves for, for Canada goose hunting. Like, yeah, you got the Dakotas, you got Minnesota, you got Wisconsin, but Iowa, dude, I'm telling you, man, Iowa produces some damn good Canada goose hunting. I mean, yeah, the limits kind of blow, um, you know, right at first. It's like one of the, from the first of the season to November 1st, you're at two per person, which it's not the greatest, right? So then from November 1st to the end of season, which here is typically right around the 15th or the second week of January, then it bumps up to three. And then from there, it's just, I mean, honestly, I would prefer it to be four. Uh, I, I would like that. But yeah, dude, Iowa... Iowa is definitely, I feel like a sleeper state when it comes to that. So It's weird. That little bump up and limit from two to three, I don't know yeah. why that matters so much, but I think um, because that happened in Wisconsin, and, and when it was two for a long time in Wisconsin, it's sure. like, you know, when Minnesota was shut down for that one week, and then it's like, well, we can go home Wisconsin, and they usually buy a license every year because it lives so close to it. Um, right. And we hunt it even when Minnesota is open. If that's just where we find birds, we'll hunt there instead of Minnesota. So that's just sure. not, it's just whatever. Um, but we didn't do it when it was only two. It was like, it's, really, it's, only, it's only two. Like, this is really paid to drive all the way out there and, you know, right. set up. And and then when they changed it to three, we're like, well, I mean, now, you know, that three, yeah. I mean, that's not so bad. It's, it's weird how one more bird in the bag makes such a difference, but... I don't know. I, I think maybe it has something to do with like you could conceivably double up on one flock and then you're just oh. done. You have yeah, one flock, yeah. do it. You you sit up and shoot. I mean, yes, with three, technically you could do it, you know, if you shot really well, one, two, three in a perfect scenario. And yeah. I have done that in the past, but it's it's rare. I mean, it's not like, you know, I'm not Annie Oakley or anything. It's, I'm a decent shot, but there's just, you know, things happen or they don't always set up just perfect and if there's more than one person, you're not, you know, you shoot the same bird and, you know, stuff like that happens. So right, exactly. at least with three <laughs> versus two, chances are you're you're going to need a couple flocks to do it, you know, and you may even need three, you know, if you only shoot one per flock. And you and you could you could set that for yourself to just drag the morning out a little longer if you really wanted to. But that's the only really, that's the only thing, I, like literal thing I can think of that would why it makes a difference, you know, psychologically in my mind, but man, does it make it, it's like, Oh, I'll go to Wisconsin for three, but I wasn't going to do it for two. <laughs> so well, I could see like the same the thing like, kind of happen with Iowa. It's just like the whole thing, like with, uh, you know, the, the, the price of, of a, of a pizza is 49, 499, you know, compared to all the prices, like five bucks. Well, it's just like that one cent off, you right. know, it just it makes, makes it appear cheaper. <laughs> yeah. It is, is it? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, I, you know, here, here's the thing, like, obviously the feds give us five to cut the Mississippi flyaway for Canada's. Right. So our urban season with here in Iowa, which don't get me started on that, that, uh, that's <laughs> what do you mean? Don't get you started. That's what I do here, <laughs> <laughs> man. It's so it's like a, it's a boundary. It's like a mapped out boundary deal. Right. So like, it's only a small little zone and it was implemented back in 2001. Well, man, that was, a, that was like 20, 20 years ago. 
I mean, that was a long time ago. Well, everything now is being like annexed into the city limits. Everything mm. now growing. I mean, it's it's crazy the amount of land that is being sold from the farmers to, yeah. you know, commercial the, properties. Right, whether developments it, and stuff like that, yeah. Developments or Microsoft or Apple or whatever the case may be like around this area. It, it's crazy. So it's taken all the good hunting ground and and they're not expanding that zone exactly and the and the thing of it is too i mean i was like the biggest corn and soybean producer like in the states right so we don't have here in the central iowa area we don't have a ton of like alfalfa fields or hay fields or anything like that right we got strictly corn and soybeans so that time of the year it's the best thing they like to feed on Golf well, courses, crap. man. Or silage, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't have none of that. And then if you do have some of it, it's either A, the farmers won't let you hunt on it, or B, it's inside city limits and yeah. you can't do it with it. So I talked to Orrin Jones. I've been talking to him. I helped band uh, with the Iowa DNR like around June or July. Um, so I was talking to Orrin and he says there's one or two things. They're either a going to expand that zone for the Des Moines, Waterloo and Cedar Rapids areas, because there's only three zones in Iowa that you can for those early uh, or urban seasons. Right. So they're either going to expand those three or they're going to completely get rid of it. And honestly, I wish they would get rid of it and then up our limits, either three straight straight across the board or you know help us out with a little bit of a four <laughs> you know i i i don't want five i don't I wonder want... why they're they're so restrictive i mean we went to um we still have our early season here which is five and sure. then they just change it so it's five all year long now yeah i mean that's yeah, great i mean it it's great it it's almost like yeah. making it unlimited i mean it's not because but five, I mean, five is a fair amount. I mean, you need a lot to go right to get Absolutely. everybody to get five. And I know a lot of outfitters actually weren't too crazy about it because, again, it's more mental gymnastics for clients. You know, everybody wants yeah. to say they limited out. You know, well, when yeah. the limit's two, it's a little easier for you to say we got our limit. And everybody's happy and they pose for pictures. But when it's five and you, you know, even though there's eight guys and you come up four birds shy of an eight-man limit, everybody's like, well, we, you know, four, four birds short. It's like. Yeah, but if it was three like it was last year, you guys would have been done an hour shooting an hour ago. But in their mind, it's like, oh, we didn't limit out. So there's a fair amount of outfitters that weren't really too pleased with the the five bird increase. But and and that that, that would be like a concern of mine to be honest with you. I mean, because there's look, there's some days that yeah we get limits but i mean there are days that we have to sit out in the field for a little bit and we have to scratch them off i mean because we all know we're all hunters you know you get certain times of the year to where they're just they're hard to hunt man they're stale if you will right so to to scratch out a limit it can be hard even with three sometimes it can be a little bit of a challenge you know does to run out five or six guys or whatever you know, it, it, it can, but <laughs> there's some other days to where, dude, you get your limit just like that. And you're calling your buddies like, Hey man, get here now. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's a double edged sword. You know, it just, you take it with a grain of salt, you roll with it, you go 
go with what you can. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it comes down to community. As far as the guide client thing, I think it just comes down to communicating, you know, good communication. Absolutely. It's like setting them up for, you know, the right expectations that, you know, we might have a banger, we might not. And then even though they didn't, you know, if the limit was five and you didn't get your limit, but you, everybody still shot three, you know, then you're like, you know, last year that would be a limit. You know, you just kind of like sure. try to get in their head a little bit and talk them off that ledge. You know, it's kind of the, one of the like unspoken talents of being a guide, being a good guide is, is kind of managing yep. client expectations and definitely keeping them entertained when shit's not flying. I mean, that's, Oh man. <laughs> That's that's like one of the biggest things I preach to my guides is we're in the entertainment business and if we're not shooting geese we have to communicate with them. That's like the biggest yep. thing. Yep. You know. And that that's know. across the board. I've heard that same like that exact same thing from a lot of well established fishing guides, you know, whether it's freshwater or saltwater, you know, they'll all say the same thing. It's like you're an entertainer. Absolutely. Because you can't always count on the fish. So, you know, you do your best to find those fish and catch those fish, but sometimes there's nothing you can do. Weather throws you a curveball or the fish just, for whatever reason, turn off or, or change spots or whatever. It's like in that time, you need to entertain that person. And, Absolutely. You know, and it's it's not just all about shooting birds and catching fish. There's a lot more that yeah. goes into it, that's for sure. And it kind of goes along with what I say is that it, it, I don't, whenever I book clients, yeah, I'm extremely thankful for the business. I'm extremely, extremely thankful for, you know, them coming and choosing me out of however many guide services there are in the U S I mean, they work their ass off 40 hours a week and they, they choose to spend their money with me. So when they come with me is my biggest thing that I tell my guys is we are here to show them a good time. We are not here to, to just put them out in the field, not talk to them. Just like, Oh, this is what you, you sign up for. Yeah. I understand. Everything is going to be hard day, but just like, kind of like you, you were rephrasing to like, you got to talk to them. I mean, you gotta, you gotta ask them about like what, what their hobbies are outside uh, uh, of hunting, whether you know, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, or how many kids they have, what's their job, you know, so on and so forth. It's just, yeah, man, it's just keeping them entertained. And do there's some days like where we don't shoot limits, but I mean, you get a nice gratifying tip or compliment, but like, Hey man, we had a great time. I appreciate mm -hmm. it. And it's like, you, you guys had a good time. Well, I mean, I'm happy. That's awesome. But like, sweet. Okay. I mean, we didn't really shoot your birds and they're like, well, I mean, we got to have fun. We got to see a couple birds work, and we got to see some birds and everything like that. And yeah, I mean, they're they're happy with that. Yeah, I think you most. Know? I mean, the vast majority of people that you know book with an outfitter, they know like it's hunting. There's no guarantees, you know. And yeah. again, that's it's up to the guide to set you know good expectations. And you know, not everybody operates the same way. And some people just like you know, someone calls them out of the blue, and they'll. I mean, to be honest, they'll blow smoke up their ass like, oh, yeah, we're, we're crushing mm -hmm. them. We're going to crush them. And, you know, guys haven't shot a bird in three days, you know, <laughs> but they they want to get yeah. that booking. You know, yeah, that person does exist, but I think they're few and far between. Um, that's sure. not a very successful business model. Um, mm -hmm. So in my experience in guiding snows, it's been most people are 
they're cool, you know, and you get those days and they're just, you're, they're migrating. They're super, you know, they're not getting down anytime soon. You see a mil, literally a million geese, but none of them come down to shoot at and right. they're fine with it. You know, they, they get it. It's like, it's, we have a thousand plus decoys out here. I mean, I don't know what else we can do. You know, it's like, exactly. it, and they know that, but then with that said, there's always that small percentage. There's always that one guy, and it usually is one guy. It's not a group. It's like one guy mm-hmm. of the group is just a pain in the ass. And even if if you shot 50, he was like, well, you know, I thought we were going to shoot 80. You know, and he's disappointed with 50, you know. For yeah. me, the funny thing is it's like my, my icebreaker conversation for snow goose guiding in the spring is always like, you guys weren't watching YouTube videos on the way here, were you? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's – might happen, but very unlikely. <laughs> Those tornadoes yeah, it, that you were watching that got you all pumped up to call the number to come on this hunt. Yeah, those aren't those don't happen uh, every day. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is like if you go to their YouTube channel, you might see one. You might see one video of that happening, right? right? They don't happen every day. No. I mean, that was like the grace of God that like yep. that day, that field, that spread, whatever they did. They were hungry, they were horny, and they wanted down in there. And then just a, you know, it, it was a bunch of hunters down there, and yeah, they rained them out. They had a good day. Yeah. You know, it doesn't. Yeah, expectations are crazy sometimes, and some of these guys. But yeah. it is what it is. It is. I mean, it's it's, and that's just you know, it's a good icebreaker. Everybody kind of has a laugh because yeah, they were watching them. Because who doesn't? You know, if I'm going on a fishing trip somewhere, I, you know, I dark right. out and. I absorb as much as I can or hunt and trip, you know, same thing. So it's, yeah. And then you get sucked into the vortex of watching the, the best of the best. And, you know, you wouldn't be going on a trip if you, if you weren't hoping for just the most epic thing possible, but you just <laughs> have to also have that little bit of realism in there. It's like, but it probably won't happen. Right. It's still fun though. I, I, I mean, I've, I've loved it. I mean, the one year I went down to Arkansas, I did Arkansas, Missouri, and South Dakota. It's like I literally hunted every day for two months. And people are like, does that get to be a grind? Like, no, not really. I mean, what else What? What? What else would I rather be doing? Like, right. what are my other options here? Like, sure. this is great. Like, I'm outside every day. This is amazing. Right. Now, do you – like set up like a permanent spread or are you tearing down like every day or setting up? No, we generally, we generally run permanent spreads or semi-permanent spread. We, we we will change them, you know, or we'll put out an additional one. We might leave that one. Like we get on a hot feed or something like that. You know, we could, we'll pull a few more bags out of the trailer and, you know, run an additional spread to to chase. But um, generally we, it's kind of a, a set and forget it kind of a thing. And, Right. I know a lot. Speaking of client expectation, that's a common question I get a lot. They're like, you know, is this on a feed? Is this, you know, a permanent spread? And I hate that question because I know what I know when I tell them they're going to be somewhat disappointed. But what then I follow up with that is like, listen, I have chased these birds for 20 years. I have I have chased feeds, and I have set permanent spreads, and I honestly can't tell you any one is better than the other my success rate is probably the same because just because you found a feed doesn't mean they're coming back to that feed these are these are snow geese they're trying to push north they're they're not really hanging out right i mean they're they're constantly moving and and i've seen the feed change six times in one day 
Yeah. So just, you know, you happen to drive by it at one o'clock and they're in that field, you get permission, you drive away, you're thinking you're on the X. And next thing you know, that feed hops a half mile, then another half mile there, a mile or, or plus away by sundown. You don't know that. You went back to the bar and started drinking. You're, you're thinking you're on the X, but the X moved, you know? Right. And that's why I stay out of the snow goose game. <laughs> <laughs> it can happen with honkers, Dude, though. You know it, it can, can happen with honkers. You know, you can, if you do your homework correctly, with honkers, they're a little bit more calculable. So, like, you can you can definitely be like, okay, well, these, these fuckers are going to be showing up. Or, you know, the past couple of days, they've been flying between, you know, 615 to... to 625 okay so we're gonna gonna expect them to be flying over this field or into this field with snows man you don't i mean everything i think it's i think it's almost like a little bit more relying on the weather than honestly than than the fall time yeah you know because i don't know like i'm not like i said i'm not in a snow goose game so obviously there's a calendar migration for in the fall time and then there's you know they're gonna they're gonna move down like whenever they feel like it and then also there's going to be a winter, you know, or cold weather push, you know. So, I mean, you're going to have birds around you for sure, like no matter what, like in the fall time. You might have to go and chase them a little bit more. But if that weather isn't spot on or whatever the case may be during the springtime, you ain't probably you're probably not going to have shit. I don't know. I'm I'm ignorant on the fact that that's why I don't chase them. But, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. fun. They're, they're a maddening bird, but. Uh, I, I like them. I don't know what it is about them that, that captivates me so much because man, I do get frustrated at times, but I don't know. It's when it, when it's, when it's right, ah, man, it's right. And the thing I do really enjoy about the spring conservation order and it goes back to entertaining clients. And I've had some days where I literally never shouldered a gun and clients walk out of the field, just grinning ear to ear because Mm -hmm. they just had the best waterfall show they could, they they didn't even think was possible, you know, sure. just hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds, if not thousands of ducks, not even talking about snow geese, ducks and all their prime breeding plumage. And these things are buzzing over top of your blind at like five feet. You've never been this close to some of these ducks before and they just can't yeah. believe it. And then you got all the honkers and the specks and giant flocks, cacklers and the snows. It's like, I always try sure. to tell people, it's like you're, think about you're plopping yourself in the middle of a national geographic special that's what it's like Absolutely. i mean it, it I, that's what that's i mean that's why i fell in love with it. the very first time i went i think we only shot a bird but i was like dude i'm hooked like this is the spectacle is just like unbelievable absolutely just a mosh gosh of of birds and they're like you said they're full plumage man prettiest birds that you can possibly imagine that you see on you know, whatever calendar or, or pictures you get to see up close and personal. Yeah. There's a couple of times where we had some pintails work in on, on a, you know, snow goose spread. And it was just like, Oh, what yeah. I would do to be able to take yeah. one of these. I was just oh. going to say that it's like when you're there and you have 15 or more, just completely plumed out, sprigged out pintails yeah. all like chasing one hen and they go right past you. Like you could reach up and scratch their bellies like that close. It's like, where else can you get this show? Mm -hmm. Like this is unreal. 
because the damn sure it ain't during fall. No, you can't ever for fuck sure it's not. <laughs> <laughs> for fu- yeah, no way. Not ever happened. It's like, and I don't even, like, in a lot of, you know, you'll get some clients that'll be like, ah, oh, man, I wish we could shoot them. Like, yeah, that would be kind of cool. But it's like, I, I don't, I'm not even that mad that I don't get to shoot them. Because it's just, right. the, the show itself is just like, man, this is so awesome. And I never get tired of it. That's the other thing. Man, I remember being covered up in, uh, I had this flock of cacklers come in. And they were, it was probably three, 400 strong. I mean, just a pretty sure. good flock of them, right? Absolutely. No snows mixed in. I was really hoping because we had seen some kind of mixed flocks. But these things just kept circling the field. They never put down, but, man, they just could get lower and lower and lower and lower. And they the final three passes they did, I mean, were so close. Measured in feet, not yards. I mean, they were. I saw sure. their, their eyes were moving. You know, I could see the sound was like it hurt my ears over the e collar. Like, just oh, was so loud. And when they finally, you know, like just went away, like I just caught myself with this giant shit eating grin on my face. <laughs> just like, yes. What was that? Yeah. What was that? You, that was amazing. I tell you what, man. Just. Like, yeah, we're all hunters. We like to shoot. But, dude, sometimes there is – it is fun just to watch birds work in. Like, it's really cool. Like, when you're doing, like, a gentleman's hunt or you're already done with your – you're done with your limit or whatever the case may be, and you still – you ju- you limit it out before the main flight, and the main flight hits before you're able to get out of the field or take pictures, and you don't want to educate anything. So, you just – sit back relax and just enjoy the show and you sit there for an hour two hours whatever the case may be but uh man dude there's sometimes they get so close and it is so much fun to watch it, it gets my blood pumping it is so much fun yeah everybody likes pulling oh. the trigger but the anticipation of pulling the trigger i think is where the real yeah. sweet spot is you know i think that's when- where the uh uh, addiction kind of comes yeah, in. Yeah, when you the visuals and the sound, like when you when you have yeah. a flock of honkers, I mean, you got them, and they start getting tipsy. I mean, I don't know what it is about that that call, you know, maple leaf or whatever you want to call it, but oh, yeah. when they start doing that, trying to get down as fast as possible, oh, gets me going, oh, dude. Oh, it makes goodness. it really hard to call when they're doing that because you you cannot yeah. call a a goose, you cannot blow a goose call with a smile on your face. You can't because your, your lips hard. aren't pursed together. Yep. Like it's it's impossible. But it's just right. like, oh my god. And I've had that on some of those like epic migrator days where you break down a, a group just from the heavens and they get yep. past you and they just set those wings and they just you know square them up and they just start dropping straight down. You're like, oh, here we go. And then they start it turning upside down. You're just like, oh my god. It's, it's <laughs> so you so you hit fun. your blind like, you see this? Do you see this? Oh my god. <laughs> Oh God! And then you hope your buddy's like next to you blowing, so that way you can take like time, <laughs> time out just to like capture everything. It's like, oh my God! Yeah. I think one time I did say, I'm like, I can't blow my call. I'm smiling too much. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's why we do it, right? I mean, that's absolutely that's like super fun. Is there anything <laughs> you like? Anything happened to you this year where you're just like, hmm, like new something you new learned or any kind of cool story that that popped up this year we i i was actually thinking about this last year and i was like i'm gonna try something a little bit different for this just this past season so like the the 2020 to 2021 season i was like man 
we were using a lot more uh, silhouettes than we were full bodies. And I was like, some just is not all the way correct. Like, yes, we're getting them in close. And yes, we are decoying some birds, but we were having a lot more um, pass by shots, if you will. But they were still in great, great yardage, but they weren't to my expectations of like within five to 25 to 30 yards, you know, for, you know, for me, for buddy hunts and then also for my clients. So I'm sitting here beating my head against the wall. What the hell was I doing differently back then? You know, because, Oh shoot. I would say this is probably six years ago. I was like, I could probably decoy any bird in the County. You know, I was getting cocky with it and everything like that. (laughs) You know, I was sitting there thinking back to to that time, and I was like, "What was I using?" You know, that was I'm still using the A-frame, still using layouts. You know, uh, oh, oh, I wasn't using nowhere near as many silhouettes as what I was full bodies. I was running between twenty late season, you know, twenty to thirty dozen. You know, so if you need to run more, you can, but I was only using out of that twenty to thirty dozen eighteen silhouettes everything else was either full body or shells so i was like huh okay so maybe i kind of switch up some tactics well this year i went with a strictly full body spread and it was a game changer Mm -hmm. in this area surprisingly it was a game changer i mean everybody now is running crazy amount of silhouettes and they're all seeing the silhouette you know, spreads or whatever, uh, you know, it went from being a small spread to shit, 20 to 40 to 60 dozen, everyone throwing out huge spreads. Well, then what I was doing was I was throwing out full body spreads and I was running a maximum of six dozen. And on the hardest days that we had here in Iowa, where we barely had anything for migration to some of the best days that we had, I was using full bodies and some of those keys were hard, but they, man, when they worked in, they did it absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. There were some times they were honestly like way too close to shoot, like four feet. (laughs) <laughs> five i mean it was great so like just changing up my tactics a little bit um it dramatically increased even though that we had a crapping i mean there was like one point there was only like thirty thousand canada geese that were in like in the state of iowa like i looked at like their their survey that they had we we're at like a 10-year low and we only had like thirty thousand geese in the entire state of Iowa, and I was like, "Dude, here in Waukee alone, sometimes we've got thirty thousand geese. That that's in, that's in, insane to me." But yeah, man, I mean, we just changed it up, try to be a little bit different, and the low low calling. Give them a couple clucks here and there, no double clucks. I mean, if you did, it was just high low, high low, and that was about it. And they ate it up. There was, there was one group of clients that I ran. They were from um, Louisiana, and uh, set up in what we call the power line field. Uh, so we, on the north end of the field, there's like these eighty yard tower, eighty yard, you know, tall like power lines that it runs from east to west. It can it can put a hiccup in 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 the birds 
you know, actions completely. Um, but if they come from a certain location, we can get them and they can decoy in pretty good. So they were, so we set up and we only, like I said, we were only, only running like six dozen decoys, AVNX decoys. And the way that we had everything set up, it apparently it was, it was perfect because we had these birds coming from the South and they were, I would say they were probably 15 to 20 yards from the edge of our spread. And then they just about damn near got to the very top of it and they fluttered down. They, I mean, they put like the e-brake on and they fluttered down like it was mallards in the timber hole. And I got so jacked and my clients were like, oh, dude, that was awesome. That was awesome. I was like, no, boys don't understand. Like Canada geese do not do that. Like they'll, they'll circle a couple of times or they'll circle once and they come in, but they don't put that e-brake on and come straight down. It, it, it was it was something special but yeah man i mean just low calling low number of decoys you know not throwing everything at them not getting all crazy excited just trying to act more like natural geese than anything and dude it, it paid off it paid off big time even when the hunting was tough it it, it paid off yeah i definitely think it's when i'm pressured you know when, there, when there's lots of pressure that's that can be a big difference for sure and we've talked about on this show before nick and i where it's like yeah. In my opinion, I'm not sure he agrees with me completely, but in my opinion, I feel like we're always chasing trends, right? It's like the vast yes. majority of goose hunters that go out there, you know, they're, they're reading magazines or they're you um, know, <clears throat> watching YouTubes or what this guy's saying, what that guy's saying, and then everybody does that, right? So the vast majority of people are doing it. You have to think this is what the geese are kind of getting conditioned to. They're always seeing it. So it's like you have to – yeah, I hate using all the old cliches, but you know you have to think outside the box, or just. And I sure. think that's why these old cycles just come back around, just like the silhouettes. You know, silhouettes weren't aren't a new thing. Silhouettes no. have been around for since goose hunting began. I mean, like somebody yeah. cut out some cardboard and or some plywood and stuck it in the dirt. You know, what I mean, it's like they're nothing new, um, but they got really popular, and you know, it's kind of like full body decoys started getting extreme, you know, super feather detail, and they got really expensive. Um, and I think that made this, like, it was prime for, like, somebody to come up with a a silhouette Cheaper. decoy, you know, and then all of a sudden, yeah. boom, you know, dive bomb comes out. And those boys killed it on marketing. I mean, they and it's a great oh, absolutely. product. They make great videos. Um, for sure, go follow all their stuff, like, like, the dive bomb crew is awesome. You know, Big Al's makes a great silhouette decoy. But so now all of a sudden Absolutely. you're getting these great silhouette decoys. And you're like, man, I can get, I can get five dozen decoys for the same price as one dozen full body. You know, like, yep. and I'm watching these videos and they're shooting birds over them. And they, you know, I've killed birds over. I personally, I've killed birds over skinnies for sure. Oh hell yeah! They have their time and place, especially if you got to hike in somewhere and the field's muddy or whatever. Like, pff, dude, we're bringing the skinnies, but. <laughs> because once people once they really started flooding the market and more and more people started using them i noticed the same thing i started noticing like dude these things aren't working like they did before and we actually right. would start there was a particular hunt a couple years ago where they would hit that line of decoys and either go straight up or go around and in between and it was just yeah. like lunch lining us and they weren't getting in range so in between flocks we would sprint out there and grab as many as we could and just tuck them behind yeah. our blinds and like and then that line kept getting closer and closer and closer to us until finally they were in range you know it's like man 
I don't want to say yeah, we're- fuck silhouettes, but fuck silhouettes. I mean, like right now, you know, it's like maybe smaller, more real full body spread we might be the way to go until all the people start doing that. And then it's like, all right, well, now I'm going to start throwing more, maybe break out the skinnies again, you know, right. just be different. No, we were having that same issue, man. And we were, they were getting out to be 10 to 20 yards from the edge of the decoys and they would either slide or they would, they would rise up and then they would go over the top and then try to circle back around and try to figure out what was kind of going on a little bit and it just make it a little bit tougher. Yeah. It, it, it was. And then, you know, when they would get, you know, to that certain yardage, you know, I'd, you know, you call the shot, but yeah, it was, dude, I was beating my head against the wall. I was like, what the hell am I, you know, I know I'm not dumb, you know, I mean, I, I, I think not, you know, <laughs> Who knows? you know, but I mean, shit, I mean, it's just like, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of FOMO in the, in the goose hunting world and the waterfalling world. And it's like, I think there's a thing with people, they feel like if they don't throw out every decoy, they're not giving it their all. And then yeah. if they see a flock and they don't do it, it's because they didn't have enough decoys. It's like, well, yeah, I, that fear of missing out. Like if I don't, maybe we should just run, you know, 36 full bodies but what if it doesn't work and we got you know 15 dozen dive bombs in the trailer you know it's like well i mean put them out then i mean it's the thing it's like you can make adjustments you don't have to run the entire trailer every time but everybody's so nervous and i kind of get it you know you work all week you only have so many weekends and you know there's only two days in the weekends you want to maximize you want success and but you can't be afraid to just be different. I think you're just going to end. If, and I, that doesn't necessarily mean running full bodies, you know, maybe just run less yeah, silhouettes absolutely. or set up different. You know, there was a time where, you know, layout blinds went through this like super low profile stage, you know, and the X landers mm-hmm. came out and stuff like that. And now it's like, now they're back to being nice and comfortable and <laughs> they're huge. And it went all the way to the other, you know, the pendulum swung all the way to a frames uh, and you could pop an a frame out in the middle of the field and have a banger of hunt. Well now more and more people are running a frames and I don't think it's quite happened yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if the upcoming seasons, you start seeing a drop off in efficacy around a frames. It's going to happen just because more people are using it. And then you're going to have to go back to, you know, really brushing your, you know, and then a lot of people are doing edge hides. Like we're, I love an edge hide. You can hide really good, but Absolutely. a lot of people are doing it. And I'm starting to see these geese start favoring the middle part of the field again. So it's like, well, yep. now it's going to be, go back to setting the, you know, layout blinds in the middle of the field and just going to have to be super meticulous with your, with the brushing in your blind. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I've got one particular that is exactly like that. I mean, we will help you. We'll run a frames or layouts and it, it does not matter. Sometimes it, it, they do not want to go to the edge of that field. They want to go more in the middle or further out from the fence line. Now this field that I'm talking about though, too, is also like 200 acres though, you know, so it's a, it's a very large field, but we have seen it to where they will come over us and they'll kind of want to work a little bit. And it, it doesn't matter what kind of blinds are using a frames or layouts. 
they will kind of work in. You'll have to make your adjustments, whatever the case may be. If not, some of those guys will peel off and go straight in the middle of the field. And you're like, son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. And it, this farmer does corn year after year. He does not rotate, which is very unusual. That's but he rents crazy. the ground. Yeah, he rents the ground, so I don't. I don't think he really gives a hoot. He, he must just, just dump so much anhydrous in that field. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Dude, this the farmer this year. He worked this field like I shit you not, dude. Like three different times. I'm like, what are you doing? He's trying to put You're more stuff back in it. It's cool. like, yeah, raping the soil every yeah. season. But you know. I, you get these guys though too. I'm very, very particular about the hide. And it's quite funny too, because, you know, yeah, I started listening to the podcast and whatnot. And then I, you know, you got Nick J on here and he started talking about the grass hides. And I was like, well, son of a bitch, I do the same damn thing. <laughs> did not realize, you know, people don't realize the effectiveness of that grass hide. Now I don't get, crazy particular about like how he does with the grasses and all that stuff dude we'll go out and we'll cut a ditch grass or you know we'll cut a ditch and we'll throw all the same way into the bed of the truck and go out and dress up our, our layouts and bada bing bada boom but then like with our a-frames i'm telling a little bit of a secret here i don't know if i should really be saying <laughs> this but um with our a-frames you see everybody just having like the tops of the grass kind of just leaning over the top of the a-frames and you got this big black hole which we all know mm-hmm. if we hear from grandpas or from dads or whatever you know big black holes ducks don't like well neither do geese so and plus two they can see you right so what i what i do and a lot of uh, some other guys do it as well but i start from the top and I get like that really tall landscape grass to where this shit is probably five foot tall, it seems like. And I'll dress the very top. So like where it, it you know, at 90s over, 45s over, whatever. And it will be coming out from the very top all the way to the front. And then, you know, you dress up the, the back and then you go to the front and then you cut off like a foot and a half or so. And then you dress up the front. So then that way you still have cover in the front, but that back is sticking out and it completely come. If you, what I tell my guys when they're cutting grass is if you think you have enough, you don't No. (laughs) And whenever you're dressing up the blinds, if you can't see out, they cannot see in. That's right. Yeah. It can be a pain in the ass. Yeah. You're going to get some clients that are going to, you know, split it down the middle and that's fine it is what it is but it's not hurting anything and then what i do is the hard edges on the on the ends of it right there's these things called fast strike blinds i'm not sure have you ever heard of them Uh -uh. okay so scott hand he's from down in like the uh, kansas city area kansas city missouri area um he's the owner and operator of fast strike blinds so essentially it's like a uh, it's a one or uh, uh, a two by six, but it's plastic and it's got holes in it to where it's got elastic bands woven in and out of it. Right. And then it, one is like a, uh, one arm is like three foot and then it's got a pivot point and then it's got another arm that's three foot. And when you look at it, you're like, 
bro, that that's a blind. <laughs> There's no way that's a blind. But then when you start sticking shit in it, it's like, oh, okay, I understand. So then we'll take that same landscape grass, we'll stick it in in there front and back, depending on how thick we want it. And then on one edge of the fast strike, we'll put that in the front corner of the A-frame. Then we'll connect the back corner of the A-frame, just like we do at the front. And then we'll have that middle, that pivot point, or that middle that middle section, and we'll push the middle down and the front down. And then we'll use that back as a pivot pivot point as a door. And what that does is, is that breaks up the entire hard line of that A-frame. So it just, it literally looks like a bush out in either a middle of a field or on the fence rows or whatever the case may be. It does not give up any hard lines whatsoever. I can't figure out, I'm looking at their site right now. I can't figure out how these things are work. How these, how, I like how they, yeah, like they go over, what in the hell, how do these things work? <laughs> I don't see. They're, yeah, they, they're they're really they got stakes in the bottoms that they come with, or you can it, like you use them out in the marsh, or um, you know it's whatever. Just like an arm, I don't understand. I'm yeah. really confused. Yeah, so then like you, you cut brush, uh, whether it's like a tree limbs or whether it's grass or what what have you, your natural surrounding of what you're going to be hunting in. Um, you cut whatever you need to, um, and then you just stick it in the front of those elastic bands and it holds it there in place. Right. So then you can build it up and I can send you a couple pictures of what I'm talking about too. But, um, and man, I'm telling you what, it can go from you having a wide open space, like say like in a marsh, a wide open space to where like, you want to sit right here cause this is going to be the best location, but there's nothing like in front of you to help you conceal at all go out cut brush do whatever the hell you need to come back stick it in the the fast strike there you go bada bing bada boom you disappear just like that it's perfect i love that so they're they're basically like a panel blind but they don't have a full correct um panel basically yeah that those plastic arms with the straps on it and then poles i guess yeah yeah i'm just going it, through it, the gallery it works. right now i i promise you i thought about the same thing because i went down to kansas to hunt uh with travis sipe down there and he was like gosh crap i left the blinds i was like all right that's fine run back to the place go grab the blinds real quick we'll throw out decoys and we threw out decoys he came back and he had the blind i was like what the hell what does that thing do? <laughs> He's like, "Oh, this is this is the blind. Just wait." And he did his thing, and I was like, "Oh shit, okay." So, but yeah, it, when you look at it, it doesn't look like much. But when you so like this said, is cool. I'm going up. through their I'm going through their gallery, and uh, so like if you're hunting water, the fact that they're not a full panel blind, that the mm-hmm. the grass holders are kind of up on the top, like you can hunt, you can hunt in water. And like yeah. you're not just soaking your fabric of your of an act like a standard Absolutely. panel blind kind of a thing. Well, this yeah. is kind of crazy. I had never heard of these things. Oh, and you can put them really low too. Yep. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's really like not around it, a layout blind. 
Yeah, you can do it for layouts. You can do it oh, for that's like for the A frames. We put, like I said, we put them on the corners. We call them the dog houses. And um, yeah, man. I mean, shit. You can hunt turkeys out of them. I mean, you can do all kinds of stuff. It's not just specifically for waterfowl. It's like a universal blind that you can use for whatever you want. Deer, turkey. I mean, it, it whatever. It, it, it's it's nice and it's super convenient to to bring in very lightweight but very very durable very durable and you just take your natural you know surroundings and cut whatever you need to and stick it in there and bada bing bada boom <laughs> that's interesting all right well everybody go check go faststrikeblinds.com go give them a look we'll send some absolutely send some people that way that's pretty cool kind of like and it's i mean it's small I mean, like you're not carrying a giant panel blind. I mean, you gotta, nope. you know, you still gotta get all the material and brush it in and stuff. But that is pretty wicked. Absolutely. Huh. Oh, and I see they use it for uh, deer hunting and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Turkey, turkey hunting. Interesting. But yeah, so that's what we do with our a frames, oh. and then cool we'll stuff. cut uh, some evergreens and stick them in the front or get whatever tree branches and completely break up everything. And A-frames, A-frames can be good. A-frames can be shit. But the way that I do my A-frames, I, I feel like it's pretty, pretty solid. As long I feel like as long as you're doing something different, you know, um, yeah. you're going to have a slight edge than everybody that's out there running the exact same setup. That's just Absolutely. something for people to keep in mind, you know. Now, don't get me wrong. I love layouts, too. Oh yeah. Well, hey, the other thing is, I haven't. Well, we do this in, in the Dakotas, and it's great because you don't have to brush shit in. But you just lay out in whites with your in the middle of a snow goose spread, and you got your oh, sure. darkies yep. decoys out there. And dude, those we've had so many honkers just come straight in, just like best hide ever. They they don't even think twice about it, and you get them in nice and tight. I've I've wanted to try it here, like in Minnesota in yeah, the fall yeah. but i can't yep. find anybody that's willing to do it with me because they're like what you want to set a snow goose spread i'm like yeah but hear me out <laughs> yeah right i've actually thought about you know taking because i know they do that shit a lot down like in oklahoma and texas and whatnot they'll like hide within the spread right and i was like man i wonder i wonder if that would even work up here in in the north like in in iowa or in your case in like minnesota or whatever but I've I've always been been kind of intrigued about doing that. So shit, maybe uh maybe I come up there, you come down here, and we just give it a whirl one day. That'd be fun. You know, I'm I'm dead. I this is doesn't mean to be like a sick ad or anything, but that optifade pattern that they have blends yeah. so well into um, oh god, you know a, a combined cornfield. But there's a bunch of trash yeah. in it. Like if you throw your jacket down, you better remember where you set it because you'll lose it. I guarantee. If you had just backboards and you were running head to toe, optifade, face mask, everything, I think you could just lay out, put some decoys Absolutely. around you, and you keep your movement down to a minimum. I, I, I don't think you'd have to brush a single thing in. I, you would, you would just disappear as long as you can stay still. I mean, I, I've, I've seen it. I mean, I have my buddy will have the jacket on. He'll just be sitting there. I'm like, you know, I'll step twenty yards away and look back. I'm like, God damn that blends in good <laughs> well this this happened about two years ago i think like two maybe three years ago so it was a slow morning 
and me and the boys we were just goofing around or whatever and one of the buddies brought his son out and he was decked out from head to toe and set to gear whatnot and uh so we were we were walking back and we're like well where in the hell is is the boy at and um we're like i don't know maybe walk back to the truck or whatever so kind of sat down in the blinds and then as soon as we know we hear something in the back of of the blinds and like what the the hell is that we look behind and his son was sitting there butt up right up to the blind taking a nap face down we all six of us walked (laughs) right past him did not see him at all and we're like what the hell there you go it's like oh that shit works good dude yeah totally i mean i I just have seen it my own two eyes i mean that you know, for all the shade people like to throw at Sitka, you know, for people that buy Sitka, it is expensive. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I actually don't own any of it personally, sure. but um, it's high quality equipment and that that pattern. I mean, I, that's that's my whole thing. It's like that Optifade pattern is just that's money. I mean, they they Absolutely. knocked it out of the park with that pattern, man. It's. Dude, beautiful. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I in mean, Drake in that kind of a field. I should say. Sure, I mean, yeah, absolutely. you throw you throw that optifade in a you know in a in a alfalfa field, yeah, it's not going to work as good. But in a combine, a field. yeah, in a combine <laughs> cornfield, forget absolutely. about it. Yeah, no, it's I was gone. a Drake guy there for a little bit, and uh, you know, I would you know, I couldn't I, I couldn't stand the the stigma behind Setka. Like, if you didn't wear Setka, you didn't kill birds, and this, that, and the third. I'd be more open minded to the group. <laughs> <laughs> applied for the discount and I, you know i always naturally was attracted to the optifade pattern i was like oh my god i love that but oh i don't want setka you know it's right. just for a reason and then i was like you know what the hell with it i'm gonna be more open-minded to the group like all right boys i just applied i got approved if we're going to switch over essentially burn a bridge with one company you boys better buy this shit and like no, no 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 we will we will we will sure shit enough they were buying it and my first piece i bought was the dakota hoodie and dude i fell in love and i got just about fucking everything there is it's yeah. it, dude, that stuff is is phenomenal it really is and people are like would you buy it if you didn't have the discount actually i would yeah i would, I would. money I, w- I would spend the money because it is a hundred percent worth it especially their Gore-Tex products such as the Hudson or whatever. Uh, that stuff is phenomenal and it gets cold as shit yeah. here. And li- lifetime warranty. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, I've got, I, you know, there's a pros and cons to everything and I've mm-hmm. got a few cons that I, I wish that they would fix. And I think just about every Sitka owner w- would agree with me, but their zippers are no, kind I was, of, I was just going to say it's the zippers. You know, <laughs> yes i've heard it from everybody uh, yeah uh you know you you would think they would switch it up a little bit but it is what it is uh you know but other than that dude there's no complaints i don't have any complaints out of it yeah and again i mean yeah i people just like to hate on shit and it's whatever i know it's expensive and and here's the thing everybody wears it. i don't think everybody's wearing it to be cool i think they're wearing it because it's high quality clothing absolutely you get a lifetime warranty on it and that optifade pattern is money there's just no two ways around it. It's just awesome. You know, I think nowadays it's not necessarily, you know, somebody buying it to be cool. I think it, I think it is buying it because of the durability and, 
you know, everything else that it produces other than the name of Sitka. You right. Know? Absolutely. So. Well, and the new, yeah. Well, they, they don't make any waterfall patterns anyway, but the new one to hate is the next step up from Sitka. Isn't that, that Kuyu or however the hell you pronounce it? Everybody's hating oh, on that now too. Cause that's yeah. like a, you know, a rich man's camo or whatever. It's like, ugh. right. Lightweight. So on and so <laughs> forth. Yeah. I don't own any of that shit either, so it's like whatever. Uh, that stuff more for like big game and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of out well, out west stuff. Yeah, mountain sure. desert, desert stuff, but it's really expensive. But yeah, that's allegedly really good too. But I wouldn't know. I don't have any personal experience with it. But all right, well, let's wrap this one up. Um, Go, man. Yeah, dude. Thanks for filling in this week. Hey, okay, uh, appreciate. It. Yeah, we got to figure something out. Uh, season's over now, but. Yeah. Well, next year we gotta do a better job of, of scheduling. Let's do it. I try not to Let's be busy, but I can't uh, can't make any promises. But <laughs> hey, man, you're <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, okay. Later. All right, buddy. See you.